Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we are talking about activating the sympathetic nervous system. So this is building directly off the episode that we recorded last week on the parasympathetic nervous system, which is more that rest, digest, slowing down state. So if you didn't listen to that one, we have intentionally made this part two to sort of build off top of that one. So that is probably a really good place to start. Uh, Today, we're going to be moving into the other branch, which, as Danny mentioned, is known as the sympathetic nervous system. And we got a lot of great feedback from last week's episode. I think it resonated with so many people being that time of the year where, you know, even though it's January, I think people still need that downtime and rest and recovery time. And we deliberately popped that one first because we feel like most people are more familiar with the fight or flight responses in the body. So being that sympathetic nervous system, what it feels like. But today we're just going to talk about you know, not only what it does feel like in the body for you to recognize it and when you're going down that sort of spiral, but then also we'll talk about what it does to the body on a cellular level, because Mm. I feel like most of us are just so used to pushing through, but this is kind of a little warning sign from us to say, look, it's probably not the best thing to live in a constant state of fight or flight. Yeah, that redlining. And I remember when I first started to learn about like the sympathetic branch, fight or flight, sympathetic dominance, when I started to read and consume a little bit more content, I was like, oh, no. (laughs) This is me. me." I was just reading a big long list of symptoms and experiences going, yep, okay, I I see you. Um, I just thought that we sort of live like this. As you Mm. mentioned, Danny, you know, so much of our life is go, go, go. We're constantly living in fight or flight, but our body doesn't actually know the difference between, you know, a truck coming towards you or feeling anxious about not getting a job. You know, we don't really know the difference physiologically and cerebrally. cerebrally, uh, We do know the difference in ourselves, but our body and the state in which we live in um, experiences it through the stimulus comes in yeah yeah and the power of our mind it's just crazy so as Mm. you said we can get ourselves in a constant state of feeling like a truck's coming a lion's coming if we're talking about you know back in the the cavemen days being in a constant state of feeling on edge and as if you have to run for your life from something and it's just not good I mean Mm. we can channel it to to get things done however Again, we're always about not always glamorizing being in a heightened state of stress because it's not always about how much shit you can get done. It's about your health first. Yeah, for sure. And today we really want to go through like some of the science and I guess some of the physiology surrounding things like sympathetic dominance. But moreover, like Danny and myself have so many life experiences um, ourselves and like, you know, shift work and business and competing where if it wasn't for our sympathetic fight or flight and those really fighting parts of us, we wouldn't have been able to achieve what we do or get through what we um, have done. So it's important to recognize that these, these parts aren't bad and it's not like we need it. We need 50-50, but that's the point is often we live um, out of balance and it can make life really, I guess, challenging and we can, you know, have health consequences along the way. So we really want to be able to give you like a split today of like experiences um, and things that we've gone through and what's worked for us, but then also give you some clarity because I know that intellectual piece lands really well for me and I know it does for you too, Danny, of when you're like looking at the big long list of red flags and you're like tick, 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 and this yeah. is why. Um we're always more inclined to take on advice, take on feedback and actually look after ourselves when we can understand a little bit of the the knowledge behind it. Yeah. And you named that perfectly when you said that it's not necessarily a bad thing because we definitely need these parts. Otherwise we'll never leave the couch. We'll just watch Netflix forever. And what kind of quality of life is that, you know? So it's about recognizing when we're pushing the limit a little bit too far Um, and then learning how to pull back and Mm. it can be on a yearly level so people can have a big work year where they just do a lot of things or it can be on a daily sort of scale where you push hard for x amount of hours in the day but then you know how to switch off at night but you know easier said than done 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, from myself in reflection, I think this is where self-awareness just comes in as a key player, because as you mentioned at the start, Danny, we're so good at just doing the next thing and moving on and ticking a goal and just getting on the next thing and working towards another thing and getting the new course. And that is just living like for something in the future and just running rather than pausing, stopping, reflecting, checking, like that's, they're sort of the yin and the yang of the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. And we need to be able to balance that out. But so often, I even know this from a coaching perspective, you're constantly asking people to reflect and look back and oops, hit my glass and be (laughs) grateful and appreciate and all those sorts of things. And I I do think that is almost the emotional intelligent piece of um, parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I remember when I was in really, well, when I have been in a really heightened sympathetic arousal state, trying to sit and reflect and do all those things. Oh my God. It makes you feel worse. And then it puts you into more of a sympathetic state. So you know, it's not as easy as just recognizing that you're, you're really far into it mm. and then saying, okay, I need to meditate now. Like, no, <laughs> pick what works for you and at what level and what dosage. Mm. And sometimes if you're too far gone, all right, cool. Maybe those things won't work at all. You need to slowly pull back rather than a complete stop. Yeah. And I guess that's what we're going to chat about today being chronic versus like that alarm response acute mm. because th- it's going to have different strategies um, and different ways that you're going to be able to identify it in yourselves but if something's red hot it's just happened and you're living in that experience if someone turned around and said just meditate or just breathe or <laughs> the worst thing you could say to someone is like just relax oh. I used to say it to my dad when he would get cross at me and he used oh. to think don't say that and I'm no like well way. just calm down <laughs> I am relaxed. It's the most ineffective strategy ever because when someone is in that alarm reaction, there's red flags going off, they are fight or flight. They are like, I just need to fight through. They're trying to push through something so that they can survive. And it doesn't matter what the event is. Maybe I didn't push my washing away or, (laughs) you know, maybe I did something bad at school. Like it's just about recognizing it. Actually, the event itself doesn't matter. But when someone's in that alarm reaction um, and there might be part of you that's like, well, it's not even like just calm down, right? It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. You're making, you're overreacting, right? I just have bad memories, right? (laughs) My lack of emotion emotional intelligence as a teenager um 100% but in hindsight as always in hindsight (laughs) we can look back and go yes this alarm reaction and this stage one trigger of fight or flight is fundamental to our survival as a race um and not only our survival but for us to achieve to a high level like high achievers need this like to to achieve and have ambition and be gritty and um, persistent we need to have these fight or flight parts that can push through emotionally and physiologically to some capacity to achieve what we're after or just survive I guess exactly right so my last instance of being in full fight or flight was last week when I was in isolation and I did it to myself so the, the common characteristics of being in fight or flight, you get a rush of adrenaline, your pupils dilate to let more light in. So back in the day, so you could like see where you're going more clearly, um, increased heart rate and increased breathing rate. Now, Danny being Danny, obviously I need shit to do. Otherwise I just lose the plot and have way too much time on my hands. But when you've got COVID and you're in, you can't leave the house for seven days. There's only so much you can do. So when I was reading up on, like, there's a reason why I didn't put it on social media when I actually had it, because I knew it would do my head in. I didn't want to be consumed by it because on, on in my own time, I was kind of reading up on just what to look for and all of that. But I sent myself into heightened anxiety because they tell you to look out for these symptoms, you know, look out for your breathing and increased heart rate and all of that. And then I'm like, oh, my heart rate's increasing. Oh, my breathing's not as good. But it wasn't like, obviously a little bit of it was the COVID, but it was more just me getting myself into a spiral of being in fight or flight. And those symptoms from being in fight or flight for me were actually worse than the COVID. But it's just 
unbelievable how your mind can just change your body because if your mind perceives a threat which for me mm-hmm. you know I started panicking a little bit and and just you know overdoing the the Dr Google then I directly replicated all of those symptoms it was crazy so I'm mm-hmm. learning not to do that anymore can you think about what was helpful as a strategy for you when you were in that acute reaction stage and like you're you're incredibly self-aware so you could identify that can you think of what helped you sort of like recognize or step outside of that and balance it out yeah so I've I recognize that I've been through that before and I've only ever really and I've spoken about this I think a couple of times but I just want to make it so aware to people just to relate as well like a really heightened state of anxiety the first time I ever felt it was at the start of last year Mm -hmm. Um, and I just I actually went to the emergency room Mm -hmm. because I had chest pain I had yeah high heart rate my breathing was a bit weird I felt lightheaded I'm like this is weird, but it was, it was, yeah, just anxiety. And that's happened twice. Another time I took myself to the doctor. So, Mm. and then them telling me that I was fine immediately just brought me down. So I had to recognize, hang on, this is what happened those other times. Yes, it is very much real, but you know, just, um, I took myself out of the bedroom and just sat outside and just, cause that's all I could go just in the backyard, just got some fresh air, recognized that, no, this is exactly what it is. Um, and then it just sort of slowly slowed down after maybe half an hour. So mm. I just have to take myself out of my head because when you're too far in it, if you the more attention you pay to your body, it makes it a hundred times worse. So music, looking outside, going for a walk if you can, mm. um, things like that. Not as really a distraction, but just as a calming mechanism. Yeah, really well said. And I think it's important to understand that because when you're, you can work yourself up into a state of anxiety, most definitely it, your body controls your mind. And we spoke about that last week when I used and to vice versa. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for mm. sure. You know, you, they 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 entwine. It's important mm. to understand that that connection. We don't actually want it to be separate, but we also do have a really deep control over mm. it. Mm. Something that um sort of come to mind for when you were saying that, Danny, is I when I used to work in theatre, a lot of people are really anxious about having surgery. Obviously, yeah. it's like going under. A lot of people have a lot of anxiety about it, um, and you obviously when you're going into a theater you're hooked up to everything so mm. you can see on the machines blood pressure heart rate oxygen like everything and if someone's really anxious like they've got a needle phobia claustrophobic or just don't like hospitals in general not many mm. people do mm. like you would see it their blood pressure be through the roof their heart rate you know they're breathing they but they're like no i'm okay and you're like you're really <laughs> anxious, aren't you? like literally and i think it's it's important and then like you'd be like oh it's you know reassurance and calming down just take a deep breath deep breath you're gonna be everything's gonna be okay like reassurance is usually one of those things that's really comforting for people yes physiologically you'll see those changes and to me I'm like that is mind-blowing you know and I used to see this like in the labor ward like the women that would come in cool calm collected just have a baby I'm like how'd you do that (laughs) right hypnobirthing a lot of these sorts of things that a lot of people see as like wishy-washy and, you know, a bit too much. I'm like, well, actually, if you can harness your mind, like what a skill, what a superpower. hundred percent, a hundred percent. So you've definitely seen it firsthand. And um, I've started reading The Power of Now by mm. Eckhart Tolle. And I've read it so many times and I actually saw him speak live. I think it was about six years ago. And I recognized that I'd sort of dropped those habits in terms of, giving yourself time where you're actually not thinking. It is so hard to do, but so powerful because most of us spend time thinking about the past or the future. And they're both survival mechanisms. The past is sort of thinking, oh, I wish I did this differently or I could have done this. And the future is trying to preempt every scenario to get ourselves out of danger. But that's not really realistic too. Mm. On small levels, yes, but most of us are always in our head, past or future. And it's interesting. And an example that um, Eckhart uses in his book is if we hear someone talking out loud in the street, you know, we think they're crazy and we kind of look at them like, whoa, they're a bit weird. But we all do that in our head all the time. So maybe we're all a little bit crazy. But I think the mission is just to have just try even one minute just focus on your surroundings. There's the mm. tree. I can hear the birds. And, and it immediately just calms you down. So 
for me, that's my next sort of mission. I feel like I give myself a mission every podcast. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> one week. One week. <laughs> I know it changes, doesn't it? But um, just to have periods of not thinking about anything. And yeah. it's just so far, it's just been the best. Mm, yep. Stillness, you know, and Stillness. I, for me, it's sort of um, when I want to try and do that for myself, it's about understanding that I'm so easily distracted. So my, oh my, oh, shiny thing. <laughs> oh, new gym machine. Like my environment is so powerful. I, I upregulate or downregulate to it like instantly. So, mm. you know, for me, it's like, okay, I'll go to the beach. Okay. I'll just focus on one thing like like I mentioned cardio last week being really sort of meditative and focusing mm. for me or journaling like you can't physically do much else when you're sort yep. of doing it so it's about finding those things that help you um get into that state as well but I think it's a really good example that you shared there because I know a lot of people would be able to relate when it comes to like feeling something and then be like am I crazy is this happening to me and that in itself actually exacerbates that fight or flight response pathway and as a result of that, you know, you're going to get a lot of those neurotransmitters and hormones that actually rev up the engine to increase that blood flow and heat in the body and dilate your pupils. Like physiological changes happen and it's no longer in your head. And I think mm-hmm. that that whole conspiracy needs to go of it being in your head. Like I feel like a lot of people used to say that back in the day, but it's just like none of it, it's real. You know, It can like start in your head, but that, yeah, like it's very much real. Yeah, for sure. So moving on from, I guess, that alarm reaction, we have like the next the next stage that we've um, termed as resistance. So this is sort of where your body's trying to balance out. It could be that buffer point, And I would argue it's probably what we've been talking about, where it's like, okay, I'm noticing this thing. I'm sensing this thing. What do I need to do? Trying to reach for rest and digest um, versus being in fight or flight. Mm. So that can show up very differently for each person. But you know, there's, I think it comes back down to that resistance stage of first being self-aware. Like if you're yeah. not self-aware of what those experiences feel like, you're going to miss stage two completely. Yeah, exactly. And I think my example was, yeah, definitely not stage one of like being in full anxiety um, because stage one can be reversed quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, as you said, if you miss those, then you're on your way to having the whole cascade and it's, yeah, not a good time. But so resistance, that's when it's a little bit harder to reverse. So you might be up late at night or insomnia, struggling to fall asleep. A lot of people wake up at 3 a.m. between 3 and 4 o'clock when the cortisol kicks in. Um, then they yeah, can't go I used to, to sleep. do that in comp prep so bad. Remember oh, yeah, I was saying, I was like, I just can't sleep past 4. Like oh I'll just God. wake up, neck minute refeed, sleep to 7. So it's yeah. just about realizing that, yeah, like cortisol and stress, adrenaline, all those sorts of things, they have they have long lasting effects on um, like your body, your hormonal profile, your behaviors um, and, and your responses to it. And for you were sort of mentioning some things there, Danny, like it's probably important to realize that these sorts of um, this state can probably make you lean towards unproductive habits not bad habits unproductive habits so as you mentioned like scrolling on your phone or not sticking to your like your macros or your nutrition or not checking in with your coach or not speaking to someone like you might start skipping out on those gateway habits that Mm. are core pillars um, to keeping you regulated Yeah, because your body's trying to go into energy saving mode because Mm. it's recognizing now, hang on a minute, I've been in fight or flight for so, so, so long. I'm still wired, but as a survival mechanism, somehow I need to slow down. So we won't want to be productive. We won't be able to concentrate as much. And then the excuses, not excuses, but we'll let go of those processes that take a little bit more effort as well. Mm. So that's when you're kind of in the half, half. Yeah, for sure. And like when it comes to, I guess, pushing through for a lot of things, you can only push through for so long. Mm. And I think, um, you know, I reflect back where I used to do like show after show after show. And I was like, did I ever stop? Like, did I ever pull back and just like have a week off training? No, of course. No way. Yeah. Right. Whereas now I feel like I've been out of that sort of mindset for a while that it's easier to be able to tap into other things, you know, and it's just, it's just interesting to notice how fight or flight driven I probably have been for the last, I don't know, seven years. Uh, And not that you live there, not that I lived there, but I can definitely identify periods where I was up 
and periods where I was down. And that's really what we want to be able to control in life. We don't want to be constantly up and down. We want to be steady. We want to know how to push, but we want to know how to pull back. And like I often refer to it as like the dial in terms of like I'm never on or off. I like to just turn the volume up and turn it down over time. We need that buffer to be able to ease into things. Even like a comp prep, you don't go from like zero to 100. You Mm. have like friction for the first, you know, a couple of weeks at least where you're sort of getting into the swing of things. Yeah. And it very much ties into our yin and yang episode. So mm-hmm. like the fight or flight, that masculine energy that serves us all too well um, until we do it for too long, as you yeah. sort of said. So I remember the feeling of being in comp prep and just being so on. And I've mentioned this in a podcast before, your body just tingles. So yeah. you can feel your CNS just on fire and firing and your muscles are, yeah, I'd get little twitches, particularly mm-hmm. at night because during the day I'm distracted and I was doing whatever. And then when you're finally in bed at night, it's like, I'd imagine just electric shocks and little lightning beams coming through my whole body. That's how I know that I was, yeah, time for a rest day. But you just push on when you're in comp prep. You you tap into a whole nother person and it's not a bad thing. It served Mm. us both very well, but it's as if I was another human. Yeah. It's really interesting because when you're living in um, like hyper arousal or fight or flight, you don't know you are. And I've had this so many times where, for example, like the back end of a comp prep, I'll be like lean and I'll be like, looks like you, you know, you're getting lean. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm fine. Fine. You know, and you actually don't even feel like how tired your body is. You're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Or for example, like when I was younger, um, early in my nursing career, I would often do like a late shift and then stay for the night duty if they were short staffed. Wow. So I'd be there for like freaking, I don't even know what that is, 10 hour night shift and then like an eight hour shift, 18 hours. Oh my God. And you'd just be fine. You'd go through periods, but this is how our body survives. It goes nuts. You know, and like I tell you what, I did not look at my aura ring data like that first, oh, forget the it. first sleep. But it's so interesting because when you push yourself through things, like I think shift work actually taught me how much my body could handle. Like I was yeah. like, I can get on stage, I can win my pro card, I can work night duty and peak week, I can do all these sorts of things. Yeah. Of course I can, but just because you can doesn't mean you should and definitely mm. doesn't mean that you should do it forever. It's a period for a push. I think a lot of mums, like in their first six weeks of having a newborn, would probably be able to relate anyone that's competing or anything like towards the end of a master's or a degree or study. When you're doing unsustainable things, you don't really feel it as much. And I say yeah. that lightly because in hindsight, you can always be like, I don't know how I did that. Always, right? <laughs> We've definitely all had scenarios. And I what I noticed when I was um, sort of younger and we've all done it, like when you are working towards or doing an activity that's exciting, you get that dopamine, you get all the rewards. So whether it be a comp prep or whether it be, I used to do three-day music festivals and I was on top of the world and you don't think about how tired you are because you're dancing, you're with your mates and it's just the best time ever. So I, or like a fun night out, you know, just those things that have a positive impact and give us all the rewards, I feel like we can just, it doesn't even feel like an effort. Whereas Mm. you compare like a three-day music festival to three days of studying for an exam, like that's not fun at all. And you'll definitely feel the implications a lot more because you don't get those feelings of reward as well. Mm. Do you find as well, like something that I've sort of been experiencing is because I'm a lot more aware of my body and my somatics and the way in which I'm feeling now, it's almost like a double-edged sword in that I'm so hyper aware of it that I'm like noticing it and being like, oh, I used to be able to ignore you. Whereas now I'm like, okay, all right, I'll, I'll slow down because I know the consequences. Do you find that like, as you've gotten a bit older and a bit more self-aware and you can really tune into your body, you, you find it harder to not push through, but you, you feel it more and you've got to lean into it if you're willing to. Oh, you're preaching to the choir, mate. This has been half the reasons of all my heightened states of anxiety because, as you said, you get older and you pay so much attention to everything. Like, I know everything about my body. And that's why when I was a little bit unwell, and I say a little bit because I was only very mild, luckily, I, any change in breath, in heart rate, I could recognise straight away. And that's why it just became whatever, like a, a, a spiral. But when you're younger... You don't really know much about yourself. You haven't had that many things happen to you. And you're like, man, whatever, more free spirited. So yes, paying so much attention to these things have been great. But as you said, it's a double-edged sword, honestly. 
Yeah. On the weekend, um, I had my coaches workshop um, down here in Geelong and we were doing some breathing exercises and we we're trying to teach one of the girls to breathe into their back, like into their upper back. And it was so interesting. Like, like, lay, like breathe into your belly, breathe into your chest, now breathe into your back. And like, it's even with breath work, that was my first entry point of being aware of my body, like my, mm. my breath, where it was going and my heart rate, because they're the two lowest hanging fruits that you can track. Right. And, you know, I've got a story that I can share once we get to the stage three exhaustion um, part, <laughs> exhaustion, um, <laughs> about burnout. Mm. Right. Because mm. often we get to this and we haven't been able to pick up for, on the things that have led us to this. And there's always warning signs and there's always red flags. Yes. And I think what we spoke about last week when it comes to breathing. It's really important to know like what your breath is doing. Where's it going? I didn't even know you could breathe into your back. I didn't even know that. I just thought you breathed into just you breathed in, but then you can breathe into your chest. You can breathe into your belly, like that you can do stomach vacuums. There's so many different ways that you can like breathe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting when you start learning about it and learning how to control your breath and therefore like control your body and your mind. A hundred percent. And Posture is a massive factor in that. So most people, desk workers, right? You're hunched down. You can't actually breathe into your diaphragm and into your back. I know. (laughs) Like I'm, you know how when you start to think about your breathing, like, and then the automatic response turns off. Mine's turned off, so now I'm just gonna (laughs) turn purple. Um, (laughs) Hunching over stops you from taking deep breaths in as well. So that's another reason why you can get so tired when you're just sitting down because mm. you're not actually um, taking a deep breath in. Man, it just reminded me of last week. I was so puffed out after the episode. Yeah. Cheryl had to give me a pep talk. I'm like, Cheryl, I'm really puffed out. She's like, you're fine. Just, it's okay. Yeah. Um, but breathing is, is definitely everything, but also allowing yourself to be in a position mm. to take a deep breath in. What I found when I had that week off, I was getting so many muscular aches and pains. A week off training? Oh, yeah. But I've had so many. I've had a couple of weeks off, actually. Um, My body just started aching, not from illness, which my mind led me to believe at the start, but from not training and not moving. Mm. Oh, it's a beautiful reminder of just how important moving is. And it does cure your aches and pains. Like around your chest, particularly if you're just, sort of um, got a bit of a cough or whatever, everything tightens up. So for those who are really trap dominant, it will be really hard to take a deep breath into your back, as you mentioned. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. Your ribs remember, have to expand yeah, and everything. Yeah. I remember the first time I, I started to learn about it, Eugene put me on a chest supported row with straps and just loaded it up. And like, so I pulled it off a little bit and was like, breathe, because it's nowhere else to go besides mm. into your upper back. And I just, it felt like I, my traps were like ripping apart, but wow. they were so tight, yeah. you know, and that's when I just started like, you know, laying on the foam roller and opening up more and just working on thoracic mobility and thread the needles and all those sorts of things as well, just to create some like motion through your rib cage. You don't even, you don't even get taught about that, that, like it, don't. Sh- that it should be mobile, but we're also not, it, it's just starting with your breath, right? It's yeah. just starting with like noticing where it's going. Diaphragmic breathing is great, but I feel like, that's that's the start you know I feel like a lot of people go yeah just diaphragmic breathing and then that's it and I'm like you don't just want to learn how to you know diaphragm up and down you want to also learn about the different mechanics too yeah and that's what I I actually miss um doing hands-on osteopathy work because I would get right under people's ribs into their diaphragm and sort of just take some of the tension off because your diaphragm is a muscle right and it can get super super tense so Mm. there's some beautiful techniques and I'm I'm craving a massage, particularly after you telling me that you had one, which we can talk about after, just to loosen the diaphragm and our intercostal muscles. So between every rib, we actually have these tiny muscles that just line the ribs and and they can get quite tight as well. So I'm just craving a bloody treatment or a massage, oh. eh? And like, I remember when they'd get in there and they'd like release your diaphragm oh, and your TBA yeah. and get under there. It would absolutely kill though, right? Like, I'm doing so... it to myself now. It's spreading <laughs> everywhere. It's just referring to my chest. Yeah. Oh, I'll a, do that in my own time. It's a really good reminder. And I think um, if you're happy, Daddy, we'll move into the, the stage three with the yeah. exhaustion and the sympathetic dominance because um, 
I think I've shared this story on the podcast as well in the past, but there was a period of my life where I definitely experienced burnout um, for the first time. And I think I was probably like, oh, I want to say I was early 20s. I might have been like 22. Um, I was finishing my postgrad. I was working full time as a nurse. I was competing. I was working as a personal trainer as well. I was like, I had every hat on possible. And I probably wasn't fueling my body properly, you know, all the things as well that sort of reduce that that window, that recovery threshold. But that's when I started to get curious about recovery because and sleep. Actually, this is when I started to get curious about sleep because one of the first things that uh, happened to me was insomnia. I developed like sleep anxiety and sleep insomnia. And I went through mm. a similar thing that you were speaking about at the start of the episode where I was having heart palpitations. I was sweating in winter. I couldn't get to sleep. I was mm. worried and I didn't know why. I was like, nothing's wrong, Sherelle. Like nothing's wrong, but why do I feel like I'm constantly running from a lion? Like that's yeah. what my body was experiencing. And I thought I was going nuts. I honestly thought I was going nuts. It was probably like a three-month period where I was living off a couple of hours sleep each night. Wow. And um, it sort of developed because I was doing a lot of night shifts. So I was out of routine with sleep anyways. And then I'd get worried about sleeping through my alarm. And then I was mm. on call all the time. And that's sort of where it stemmed from. But then just overburning myself out as well had the anxiety on top of it. Bloody hell. Oh, it was crazy. <laughs> Again, hindsight, right? Yeah. Um, but I went and like I went and saw a doctor about it and I was like, I'm just, I, something's wrong with me. I've never had anything like this because I've, I've been so detached from my emotions, I feel like, my whole life. Mm. And then she was like, oh, yeah, um, you've got you've got anxiety, have some diazepam. So I was oh like, my God. okay. So I was medicated for it. And then um, because I was working shift work, I remember I took some diazepam, but then I got called into work. Oh, um, shit. And it was like, it was still in my system. And I remember getting to work and I was like, I'd just forgotten. I was like, I'd forgotten <sighs> that I'd sort of had that sleeping pill. And then I had to go home and I was like, fuck, this is not right. Like, I can't have this and this lifestyle. Yeah, it's a Band-Aid, isn't it? A big it's Band-Aid. A- so I like I, I started getting really curious and I was doing some reading and I come across this book um, and it's called SD Protocol by Dr. Wayne Todd, Todd, Todd sorry, uh, and it's labeled sympathetic dominance and he's a chiropractor and he actually coined this term. Mm. I didn't even know how I come across this book, right? Like trust me to find a book like yeah. this. But it really opened my eyes and that's where I started to learn about, obviously I knew it from a nursing background of the nervous system. You know the structurally of what it does, but you don't know the emotionally or the psychological impact that it has and that's the piece that's missing. And it's sort of really important, right? It is. I feel like we we can read about it, we can learn about it, we can see it in other people, but until you feel it, you'll never truly know. Same with injuries, same with all these other things because there's so much that goes into it and the emotional side of it as well is massive. So mm. you have have this beautiful resource, but then you also went through it. So what was the start of the turning point? Yeah, so obviously I've started to consume the content. The first turning point was being like, shit, I don't want to be medicated for this. It's not helping. It's just making me feel drunk yeah. and not actually doing anything. Um, and I was, I was a nurse, you know, so I can't imagine like if you've got no background and a lot of people are quite intimidated in the doctor's office and, yeah. you know, it's important to be able to understand that it doesn't have to be that way. That's just mm. one way of approaching it with a pill. It wasn't cut fixing the root of the problem, which was the anxiety really overlying everything. Um, so I just started reading some of this. I got into Headspace. That's when I started daily meditation just to help yeah. me calm down before I could go to bed. Um, but learning around, uh, learning about sympathetic dominance syndrome, one, it made me feel like I wasn't crazy mm. um, because I was like, Here's a collection of symptoms. And that's the difference between um, or what a syndrome is. So a syndrome is a collection of symptoms um, and that's what coins it as a syndrome. So sympathetic dominance syndrome is obviously when the sympathetic branch or that fight or flight is dominating um, in your system, in your your autonomic nervous system. Mm. And I just resonated with a lot of the symptoms um, and signs that this book was sort of um, coining everything from my posture like I had that very um you might even remember like that very lordotic spine forward um yeah. look, I, look, I look back at my progress photos now and I was like how did my coach not look at me and go you are so out of alignment I would never load someone with a spine like me honestly <laughs> no comment no, no comment, comment. <laughs> um, but everything from the characteristics of what you look like 
to what mm. you're experiencing, to what's happening on the inside internally governs this sympathetic dominant syndrome and I am 100% sure that I had it because and then I started oh, yeah. through like you know what I could do and obviously um I actually really love chiropractic um the, the philosophy behind it and this is sort of coined from that of understanding the nervous system and how it branches out and impacts every other organ as well and that's what actually leads to the side effects so mm. um Awesome. And yeah. you, you mentioned a really cool point about posture as well. And there was a book, which for now, for once, I can't remember the name, but it actually shows how it's a very old book I found in one of my, um, the osteo room back in the corner somewhere. I'm like, what's this? And it was about different emotions mm-hmm. and how they present in your posture. So, you know, you mentioned sort of sympathetic dominance, but then also feeling sad and depressed. You can see someone walking on the street and you know exactly how they're feeling based on their posture and looking down or someone's really happy they're up, their chest is up, all of that. So Mm. the, the connections between all of it is just bloody amazing. But the sad part is that so many people are just not aware that Mm. we're, we're in this state of, I'm not a victim mentality, but almost a victim mentality and just the lack of awareness that, that if you just knew this, you can make changes rather than just being unconsciously going through the same thing every day, same routine, same thoughts, Mm. same people, just doing what you have to do. Lots of caffeine, working too hard. Like we can make changes and the signs are there in your own body. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But so often, and like even I was so willing to just be told what to do. And for a lot of people as well, uh, probably for me, you're at a point of desperation that you're just sort of wanting to trust the people that have the authority to give you the decisions. But unfortunately, you know, we have to also be advocates for our own health Mm. um, in line with the values that we have, you know, so me being very health and fitness focused, I'm like, no, I refuse. Mm. So I had to go out of my way to learn to ask questions, to take the long road of daily yes. meditation and stress management and sleep. This is when I like started to get curious about sleep, bought an aura ring, started tracking mm. HRV, resting heart rate, doing all those sorts of things. And it, it was, was not a cure straight away. You no. know, it probably took me a couple of months to start getting like some respite or some, like I got instant um, benefits yep. in terms of being able to fall asleep you know, from meditation and doing those sorts of things. But once I feel like once people start doing stuff and they're like, oh, I'm fixed now, and then they stop doing it. Uh, and then it just it just comes back because comes it's back. the environment, you know, that you need to actually clean up in the way that you're doing things, not just it's your habits. It's not just like what you're experiencing because that's a result. Yeah, it's like, okay, cool. We got the aura ring. We click on our screen and we see our data. Mm. That doesn't help your sleep. It's the action that you take after reading the data that helps your sleep. Mm. Can I just say, we, oh, the past two days, we got a new king size bed. Oh, game changer. Fuck. No, no. Don't ask why we're in a little bed for this whole time. But we were meaning, we just, I quickly moved up to Sydney. We got a bed and then lockdowns and all that happened. Finally made the time to to go get a new bed. I have not slept better ever. So if, if you need a new bed, people just bloody invest. I'm no longer sleeping on a jumping castle anymore and it's just yeah. the best. It's yeah. oh, absolute game changer. So I just have to share that. For <laughs> me, I see none of these things as a cost. My aura ring, yeah. uh, the, the, yeah, like the expensive bed, the good mattress that we bought, my freaking sauna blanket, my red light, all my skincare, like I see my gym membership, coaching. Yeah. I see none of this as a cost. It's an investment in your mm. health and you know, we're, we're all willing to spend money on the things that we value the most. Like I've had people say to me, oh, coaching's expensive. And then they smoke full time. <laughs> so it's sort of like, well. We'll have a night out, a couple of hundred dollars a pop. Everything yeah. you buy either adds or takes away to your life. So you yeah. need to sort of think about where you want to put that money. And for me, I'm like, I don't care. I just don't want this. And like I said, when you're in that desperation as well, I sort of discourage from people just from just jumping on thinking things are going to fix their problems. But there oh, are yeah. lots of resources that can um, definitely help. But I guess moving back to the sympathetic dominance, I really wanted to highlight some of the symptoms that come up because um, it sort of explains as to one, how to identify it. but then to the, the mechanism or the like the pathophysiology of why it's actually occurring. So some of the common ones, and if you literally jumped on or looked at the book or anything like that, there's, there's 
hundreds, mm. right? But the common ones, um, so hormonal issues specifically being like estrogen dominance, which mm. as we know can lead to a lot of other sort of factors like endo and PCOS and you can see that rise, right? And statistically it's becoming more dominant. Yeah. Um, insomnia, which is the one that I sort of referred to. So there is like a thing of like, I don't know whether it's like more than two weeks of not being able to sleep X amount, but insomnia basically okay. you can't fall asleep. Um, you can't stay asleep. It's not sustaining your life properly. Uh, heart palpitations, which mm-hmm. goes hand in hand with anxiety. And that's a really easy one to identify. You might be able to be like, oh my God, my chest feels tight. You feel it. You can feel it. Yeah, yeah. fluttering around. Um, burnout and anxiety. I feel like a lot of people know that that terminology where you're just feeling exhausted and yeah. you're just like, I'm burning out. Uh, digestive issues, which is very, mm-hmm. very common. And yep. one of the primary reasons as to why this happens is because when we're living in that fight or flight state, uh, your body actually redirects blood flow away from your digestive system to other vital muscles and organs in order. We're going to have to run away. Yeah. They've got to run run away or fight or flight. So digestion is the last thing. They don't care. You've got body fat for a reason and they sort of want to go to those stores um, and they've got that there if they need. Uh, But people might experience, you know, constant bloating or like lots of weird sensitivities or just lots of issues with digestion in general. Oh yeah. Been there. And one that I found interesting, um, like reduced muscular activity. So feeling weak and unable to activate muscles properly, cramps, et cetera. Something that come to mind for me, and I have a vivid memory of this, is going from night duty to the gym. Um, I thought that was a great Uh, idea. And I remember just not being able to contract my glutes on a hip thrust. I was like, I just, I can't squeeze my glutes. I I don't even know what's going on. And then um, I remember like reading or learning more about it later on and being like, that's what happens. Like every time I go to the gym after night duty, my body is so exhausted. It's like my nervous system's fried after a night shift. And yeah. I physically can't contract a muscle properly. Yeah. I don't know what the um, what the mechanics or, or I don't know why, like whether it's to do with the calcium ions. I actually mm. don't know. Mm. Uh, all I know is I was like, yeah, wow, that's real. <laughs> well, maybe you just reach that point of fatigue. Again, it comes down to, okay, we'll just keep using the example of running away from a lion. Like mm. your body's not going to want to make a baby at that time. You're not going to want to digest because you need the blood flow to your limbs to get the hell out of there. You're not going to need to remember facts or things from a textbook because you're too busy running for your yeah. life. And then you're not going to need extra activity aside from running away from the thing. So we always take this state and feel like, cause we're a bit hyped up. Oh, mm. there must be energy to burn. Well, no, your body's trying to survive, not, you know, run a full marathon or have an epic training session as yeah. well. So yeah. yeah, you probably just reach that point. Yeah. Performance is not something that you're going to be able to do when you're tired. It's just, it's not realistic. So, you know, this is why I'm always like, don't go to the gym if you're feeling unwell. Like don't go to the gym if you're working like, you know, six night duties in a row. Like, yeah. Just get some steps in. Like I think it's important to know when to flick between performance and health and yeah. to just focus on the most low-hanging fruit um, but then muscle tightness, reduced libido as well, which is something we touched on last week as to why mm. that might be. Um, irregular cycles and, and uh, menstrual cycle dysfunction would obviously be in there too. Thyroid issues and decreased immunity. You know, those people that are always sick. Yeah, that yeah. used to be me. Yeah. I would always get tonsillitis like yeah. in year 12 and all of that. And yeah. even though I've been quite sick bloody the last two months, but I reckon that was because of lockdown. I hadn't seen hardly any human, but um. Definitely. And what I wanted to bring up as well, I find, and we always talk about this when you get sort of a new client and they're so, they're so good. They just want to do everything right. And to the book, and then they're sick. And then they kind of forget the whole fact that they're sick and they need to rest. They're like, but I don't want to see a red cross in my true coach. I'm like, fuck the red cross off. Don't worry about it. Focus on your, your rest and recovery. So yeah, as you get, there's a lot in that, but it still pops up a lot with the new clients. And then you sort of just have to keep reminding people, mm. don't worry about your, your OCD quote unquote, that you say that you have, because all the crosses are red, just focus on your body. Cause if you keep pushing, there's going to be a month's worth of red crosses. Cause you're not going to be going anywhere near that gym. Always exactly. pay attention to these signs that your body's giving you. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, like a couple of weeks pulling back from training, having days off, like it's, 
it's more productive than anything. And, you know, I've definitely spoken with clients that, you know, maybe they've got big life events, like a funeral or something, and they're like, oh, I don't know when to get my session in. I'm like, fuck your session. <laughs> like, fuck your session. I, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's really important to be able to sort of, rather than coining, um, I guess, progress, we need to think of recovery. You know, yep. it's it's number one. And if we're fried, and I've, I've definitely seen, um, you know, people that are just constantly living in a stressed state, they don't make progress with their training long-term. They don't build muscle easily. Um, you know, they don't actually metabolize calories and nutrients properly. They have lots of issues. And that's a long-term, uh, like, it takes a while to get to that. But then once you're there, it's a freaking long way out, you know, yes. and getting diagnosed with something like chronic fatigue and all of those other sorts of syndromes, it's really hard because, mm. you know, they don't know the answers. And I just think sympathetic dominance is a, like a, a really massive red flag. Uh, it doesn't just happen by accident. It happens yep. through skipping stage one and pushing on and skipping to stage two and then pushing on and then finally getting to stage three. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I think because I can definitely resonate with this, I'm training sort of four four days a week now or three or four really, and it's so fine. I mean, nothing bad happens. But no, for the past, I, the I know, you have so much more free time and then yeah. you push hard in, in your sessions. I mean, I will build back up to five, but I'm not in a rush. There's no time frame. I'm just going to listen to my body. But I would not have gone down to three or four unless something did happen to me. So like I resonate with people that why would you change it unless something happens, but also try not to let yourself get to that point as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's really important to be able to make sure that you can have that sort of like flexibility with your training. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit the last probably, I want to say six months where business has been a big priority for me. My yes. training has not been up there. Like there's been set weeks where I've got two sessions in and I felt exhausted mm-hmm. because my energy is elsewhere. And I'm sort of like, I don't have the capacity to train. Like, yep. so pushing through, like, what sort of message is that sending? Um, yeah. And then and then also it's not helping, like, the, my long-term goals. Because we're always willing. And, again, maybe I've been in fight and flight for that stage. Um, it's not forever. It's just about you push as you can. Other areas have to give. We do that with training and comp prep, you know. Other areas yeah. have to give. So it's just about realising you can't progress in every area in your life all at once. Mm. That's what's going to lead to burnout and exhaustion. Yeah, and that's when people people sort of reach out for coaching and it's like they think that that's going to be the answer, but yeah. then they reach out when they've got all this other shit going on. Then they want to take breaks. They want to do this. They want to do that. And then they blame the coaching for not working. It's like, well, no, like just have, just where are, you, where are your priorities? You need yeah. to focus on just a couple of things at a time rather than thinking, you know, I'll just add this on and then that'll fix everything as well. Because, okay, there are, there are people that make excuses for not training and they, they need a bit of a kick up the ass and that's fine. But then there are actual people who are borderline burnout, then want to sign up for coaching and add things on. It's like, no, no. Yeah. So just like what you said, Cheryl, we go through periods where we can go super, super hard at training and competing and doing all this stuff, but then business might be a priority or family or travel or it's it's okay yeah 100 percent. doesn't mean you need to let go of all of the processes but you need to be self-aware with what's manageable yes. sometimes you need a bit of a reality check too mm. you know it's sort of like as you mentioned you're like is five days realistic probably not you know what do i need to do instead like okay, i'm not turning on or off i'm just turning the dial down and when we know that consistency is the key to everything um and again do you know something that something that sort of gears me up a little bit <laughs> Here we it's, go. I see so many coaches burning themselves out. Yeah. And to be honest, you're not attracting clients doing it. You know, this hard work hustle culture is going to destroy your business in the long run, but it will destroy you first because that's the only thing. And if you don't have anything left in the tank and if you sort of really do dig a big deep hole, you know, coaching won't help you out of it either. It's just about recognizing. And I, ha- you know, I have to sort of be like, look after yourself. I say this from a place of love. Like, don't feel like you've got to, push hard in the gym 365 days a year and constantly grind because you're human too. Mm. And it's just about being okay with that and being like, look, if you can't fit every session in this week, don't grind because you feel like you've, you've got to do the status quo thing as a personal trainer or a coach and sort of have that on point. You know, yeah. it's important to respect um, when your body's given your red flags. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I definitely noticed 
um, Paul's getting so good at it as well, like picking up on all these things. He checks mm. his aura ring and all that. And so yesterday he had a really big day at work, lots of meetings, lots of all this and that. And then he had originally pl- planned to have a leg day after and he might have oh. like, fuck, here we go. And he's like, you know what? I'm actually not going to train today. Yep. And it's just, it's so good. Like it's yep. okay. Yep. But that it doesn't sound like a big deal, but that is a big deal. Yeah. For people who are so used to pushing, it can mm. be scary just to not do the thing that they said they were going to do at the start of the day or the week. But yeah. that's life and that's what keeps you in this for the long term and keeps you healthy. Mm, yeah one of my favorite like daily journaling questions is like one thing I can thank myself for and Mm. the other day I thank myself for not going to the gym when I and listening to my body and I think that's not spoken about much that is not normalized it's like Mm. you didn't stick to your training program it's sort Mm. of like it depends who you're talking to though I feel like we've now surrounded our market and our people with high achievers who just don't stop but then there's still a lot of people out there who still don't get their ass to the damn gym but you know who you are but you know who you are you You know know who who you are are. yeah Yeah. (laughs) but you're right well well done for that as well that's a big win yeah a lot of people don't see that sort of stuff as wins and I think you know if you're the person that is feeling really guilty for doing those sorts of things rather than like you're writing yourself a permission slip be like I'll do it tomorrow sort of thing whereas again like big fan of auto-regulating your training and being like look today's not the best day to hit legs I'll do a better job tomorrow if I yep. rest today like that yeah. to me is intelligent intentful training and yeah yeah we should be encouraging it for, for most people again if you're gonna do that every single week and not stick to anything then you <laughs> don't blame us don't say because Sherelle and Danny said no yeah. no we're talking no. to the people who can't stop yeah unless you're a client um <laughs> yeah we don't want all our clients hang on what are we doing all our clients are going to come to us saying have you said not to train? Yeah, no. forever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we really just wanted to like, I guess, uh, break up, you know, the two systems, the parasympathetic last week, discussing what that rest and digest uh, can look and then also feel like um, physiologically, but then also our personal experiences. And then today dig into the one that I guess a lot more people might be familiar with uh, that resonate more with that sympathetic dominance because our lifestyle gears towards it in terms of like everything's arousing us and it's bright and it's shiny and it's exciting and it's stressful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's what fight or flight is, you know, it's designed to activate that so we do have to seek out ways to balance it and yeah literally 50 50 it's what it's supposed to be so we if you haven't listened to last week's episode definitely do uh jump over to that one and have a listen to yeah i mean fight or flight it's not a bad thing as we have mentioned short term it can help you get out of a rut if you need a bit of music if you need a bit of Mm. dancing or you know get yourself dressed and get out of that rut use it as a superpower use it to get work done use it to do the things but then don't use and abuse it. Pull back yeah. when you need to. That's what we're saying here. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Again, if you did enjoy the episode, please do take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram. Thanks, everyone.